This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. It took my teammates. I, I truly believe that, man. Um, just to come out here and battle against a great football team, it took everybody. I told our team in the locker room, it's going to be all of us. So we got to play together. And that's what we did as a full team. And um, how about Harrison Bucker knocking through that field goal, baby? That's what I'm talking about. With eight seconds left, Chiefs go up back to the Super Bowl third time, five years. Odds on favors right now. Who who are the pundits picking? Uh, Philadelphia right now. But bah. didn't they also? I think Cincinnati was favored yesterday going into the game. It's it's like, it can be like predicting the weather around here. Incidentally, let's touch on this really quick, John. What are you seeing weather impacts here in Mid Missouri this morning? A lot of schools, Columbia Public, Jefferson City Public, both doing a two-hour late start. Several of the outlying schools have canceled altogether. Seems like as you go south through the listening area, it gets worse. Kevin Hilly over across the hall on 94.3 Cat Country said his drive-in from the lake was bad. So watch it. You may hit some ice this morning and check our full list of cancellations on our websites. KWOS.com, 93.9, TheEagle.com. Welcome into Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, joined by John Marsh, Stephanie Bell, Brian Housworth, producer Hannah, former congressman. Billy Long, former U.S. Senate candidate Billy Long, joining us on the show this morning. Always great to have you with us here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, Congressman. I want to ask you now, not quite a month removed from the shenanigans in D.C., you watch what's happening there today. What is the one thing this morning that's just really getting on your nerves as it relates to Washington, D.C.? Well, you know, it's just the dysfunction up there. It's, uh, you know, they talk about gain of function in China that uh, Fauci did that research. And we have a gain of dysfunction going on in Washington, D.C. And uh, John Gizzi is writing an article for Newsmax, and he asked about my take on Kevin McCarthy. And I told him, John Boehner, when I got sworn in, we had like, I think it was 246 Republican seats. It was a huge wave. 87 new Republicans that year, only nine new Democrats. And, but we couldn't pass gas. I mean, we couldn't get anything passed. It, it was, couldn't get 218 votes on anything. So Boehner failed. He quit early. He left midterm. And then Paul Ryan comes in. Paul Ryan fails miserably. He, he announces a year before he left that he was leaving, which was an interesting dynamic and very poor uh form i thought and i wish kevin the best uh he's the hardest working guy in dc maybe with the exception of our own jason smith between those two and they're kind of a tag team they do everything together but they both those guys work uh tirelessly kevin's a proficient fundraiser so i wish him well but yeah, you know, I hope things don't happen in threes like they say with three failed speakerships. All right. Our guest, uh, former Congressman Billy Long, former U.S. Senate candidate, used to rep southwest Missouri. When he references uh, Jason Smith, he's talking about uh, the congressman that reps southeast Missouri. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is supposed to be meeting with Joe Biden today. Uh, you just talked about McCarthy, in your mind, one of the hardest working guys in D.C. Does he go in there seriously with an open mind and seek to understand first with Joe? Or do you think Kevin's going in there and he's just, nope, I'm ready to do battle? I mean, what's the reality of what happens in well, situations uh, like uh, this? It, it'll be a big nothing burger. They will come out of there with nothing uh, good on either side. They may, you know, put a 
you know, a little lipstick, lipstick on the pig and say that, you know, they got some things accomplished and they're going to work hand in hand. But Joe Biden has no intention at all of working with the Republicans. And Kevin McCarthy, he's got his agenda that he's pushing. It's a, you know, and the freedom, because all, all this, I, I told uh, Mark Alford, your, your congressman, that, that I said, you voted for speaker. 15 times i only voted six times in 12 years for speaker so you're you're more experienced than i am voting for a speaker of the house so but with through all that i think came out some good things some good changes but i was talking to one of my former colleagues last week and they said one of the things they pushed for the freedom caucus was to be able to you know offer amendments on the floor which we had not been able to do uh ad nauseum but they didn't calculate that the Democrats would take advantage of that and offer amendments on the floor ad nauseum. And so the Democrats are putting on these bills we've already had, the Democrats are putting poison pill amendments on the floor and passing them. And so then our Republican colleagues, a lot of them can't vote for it. So the legislation's going down. So it's not as easy as it seems to move to the right and, you know, allow more amendments and things like that. So there's a lot of, uh, like they say, you know, about legislating, you don't, don't want to watch it being made. You don't want to watch sausage being made. Well, we talked in the D.C. rundown this morning about how Japan and the Netherlands are coming to a supposed deal with the U.S. to restrict China's access to uh, materials to make these computer chips. And I'm looking at your Twitter and you were talking, um, I think uh, you had retweeted a Wall Street Journal article about how China's been uh, buying computer chips against some U.S. restrictions for a long time. What do we know about these chips? What are they being used for and what can we do about it? Well, they're just regular chips, but they're, but at one time, uh, in fact, when I was on the uh, Homeland Security, we found out that a lot of our equipment was made with bogus chips for our U.S. military. We did get that legislation passed. We did put a stop to that. But just like you said, that article there in the Wall Street Journal, they circumvent the system. They, they're not supposed to be able, we're supposed to be restricting them from buying these chips but they have been for years, and hopefully this relationship with the Netherlands and Japan will curtail that. And, and we have to bring chip manufacturing back to the United States. I know in Arizona that they put in a plant down there, and this stuff doesn't happen overnight. I recently bought a new vehicle. They gave me a fob, and they gave me a little thing that looked, I don't know, looked like a bent piece of metal. It looked like an Allen wrench, kind of. And I said, what's that? And they said, well, that's, that's for your other fob. We, we, we don't have enough fobs to give everybody two fobs anymore. You're going to have to get your fob whenever we get it and send it to you. And I don't know that I will ever receive that fob. Congressman. Congressman, great to have you with us. We always appreciate hearing from you. I want to uh, ask you about a little bit different angle, and that is about the issue of civility in, in Washington. Everybody knows you're a conservative and you, you obviously voted, for, you know, very conservative in Congress. But every year at the State of the Union address, I would see you on national television and you'd be in that, that row. President Obama and later President Trump, they would always sign your tie for St. Jude. And I remember seeing you shake President Obama's hand numerous times. At times he, sh he signed that and you raised money for children's cancer. But I saw some really nasty tweets about you from the right. How could you shake President Obama's hand? You saw those too. How do you respond to people who say stuff like that? 
I, you know, it was going to get me beat, number one. I was only going to be a one-term congressman because I shook Obama's hand. Uh, Brian, when I first got elected, I, I, I think I put this in my last long, short report, which kind of wrapped up the end of my 12 years. And uh, when I first got elected, like I said, it was a huge wave. I think there was 87 new Republicans, nine new Democrats. Speaker Pelosi, who was losing the speakership, had an event for us during orientation in the conference room right next to the speaker's office. And so my wife and I go, and I think there might have been one other Republican couple out of 87 that went. And I, I said, can we get a speaker with you? I asked Pelosi, and she said, sure. So I hand my camera to somebody that take the picture. I text it to the news leader, the Springfield news leader, to the reporter. The next day they printed it in the paper, my Wi-Fi and Pelosi standing together. And it was kind of like, to me, a trophy. Like, you know, we got her. She's out. We beat her. And everybody, you know, all that just caused such a controversy. People said that, uh, you know, Long's a one-termer. Hey, can you believe he's so stupid that he would let someone take his picture with Pelosi? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so stupid. I took it myself around my phone, and I sent it to the news leader myself. So that's how stupid I am. My my philosophy was if that gets me beat, uh, I don't need to go back anyway. But I, when I left Congress, the lady that runs the uh, – member services my wife and i went to meet with her about what happens after congress and see i've always been on obamacare or i have been after like my first six or eight months because when it went into effect all congressmen had to be on obamacare which most people don't know they think we get free insurance and we get the best insurance well now i'm on the government group plan in retirement and i do pay for it of course and uh but she, we were sitting there, and she looked at my wife. She said, I've been here 28 years, and this is my all-time favorite member of Congress. Mm. And I, and then next, oh, a few days later, I was down in the uh, credit union, and I was talking to the lady there, and, and her assistant came out to get me to take her back to her office. She said, you know, Billy, Adrian says she's been here 11 years, and you're her all-time favorite member of Congress. So I was always a people person. I, I, you know, I disagreed with Pelosi on everything, but I'd be cordial. I'm cordial to everyone. Like you said, I'd shake the president's hand, whoever it was, and I would encourage Mark Alford and Eric uh, Burleson to get there and sit on that aisle like I I did and, uh, you know, be be active. And and you can reach across the aisle, you, you know, but Occasionally, I did legislation where I needed a Democrat to sign on. Uh, Don McKeachin, who uh, passed away, we worked on legislation together, and uh, he passed away shortly after that. But you've got to have Democrats to co-sponsor bills to put them forward a lot of the time. So it, it doesn't hurt at all to be friendly to the other side. You don't have. To. I also came out of there. Me and Jason Smith were always tied for the most conservative voting record in the state of all the congressmen. So you can be very conservative, but you can also be cordial. I mean, why run around with red face all the time, be angry at everything that's going on and be angry at the Democrats? It's good to push back on them and fight with them when you need to, but you don't have to just be walking around hateful all the time. You don't have to take it home with you. Our guest, Congressman Billy Long, here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. we got about a minute left here, sir. Billy, what's your take on our junior senator, Mr. Schmidt? Can he get the job done? 
Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be. He's kind of had a rough start. He tried to force his way on the ju- judiciary, which wasn't a good thing. Marsha Blackburn and Tommy Tuberville didn't appreciate it at all. He was like, you guys need to step aside and let me, you know, like I'm smarter than you type of deal. So that was a little uh, misstep, I think. But I think he'll be a very effective senator, and I think that he'll be a hard worker, and uh, he's got a good team behind him. So, yeah, I think that uh, Eric will do a great job. All right, and again, not a lot of time, but leave us with something positive. What is it uh, you look towards D.C.? What's something positive happening right now, uh, happening positive there right now? Well, I think that you do see uh, curtailing of the spending uh, being attempted by the Republicans and Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, I was not proud of the fact that when I went to Congress my freshman year, I auctioned the national debt on the floor. You can Google that. Yeah. It was $14 trillion. At the end of my term, it's $31 plus trillion, which I was not proud of at all. But I always voted against the omnibuses, the minibuses, the continuing resolutions, all these huge spending packages. And they, you know, with these new law, new uh, rules that the Freedom Caucus got McCarthy to institute, I really think they're going to be serious about trying to make, you know, some moves towards cutting all this uh, egregious spending that goes on in Washington. But trouble is, it's always, you know, even from the Republicans, the conservatives, it's don't cut you, don't cut me, cut the little boy behind the tree. You get someone in the mortgage business and we go to doing something with uh, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, even though they're huge conservatives, they'll call, oh, oh, don't let them cut. That's a good program. Well, everybody's program is a good program in their mind. All right, Congressman Billy Long. Steph and I will see you in Springfield a couple of weeks from now for statewide Lincoln Days, all right? I look forward to it. You betcha. All right, we'll see you, Congressman Billy Long, this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, getting ready for What's Hot With. Hannah, what's smoking this morning, Hannah? Have you seen the controversy behind M&M's and their reaction to said controversy? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But this is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Time for What's Hot With Hannah. You might have remembered from last year the big controversy surrounding M&M's. The candy. They came out with a new purple M&M character that was supposed to represent inclusivity and they also made some footwear changes to the like female M&M characters. Um, they downgraded like heels to sneakers for the green M&M, I think. And they didn't want their candy looking too sexy. It's offensive. <laughs> it's offensive to the to the people that eat the M&Ms. And people like Tucker Carlson <laughs> <laughs> were really bothered by it. I guess um, made claims that you know they were just trying to make all their characters. Mm-hmm super androgynous and basically you know that Eminem had gone woke and all these things he's kind of <laughs> kind of got made fun of for that rant like why are you that bothered by candy I guess or a cartoon character um but now Eminem's has responded to that controversy that they received the backlash and they they're taking their characters their little Eminem characters they're going on a break <laughs> They're Ridiculous. they're not completely. They haven't said they're completely retiring the little talking Eminem characters, but they're pursuing other passions. Is what the website said. So instead, they're revealing a spokesperson, which is Maya Rudolph, and these commercials are everywhere. Have you seen them yet? I have not seen them yet. So we have YouTube TV at my house, and it seems like every other commercial. Is Maya Rudolph talking about M and M's? The uh, who was the other one just recently? The A and W uh, uh, Bear, 
Uh, he's the spokesperson or whatever for A&W restaurants, which we have one in mid-Missouri, in Boonville. We have an old-fashioned A&W restaurant, mm. but their uh, spokesperson is, uh, it's a bear, uh, but he's never worn pants because, <laughs> you know, it's a bear. Like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and now, it's a bear. It's a bear. Whatever. Now he has to wear shorts? Now he has to wear shorts. Can we just agree that Reese's Pieces are superior to M&M's anyway? Oh, hot take. Yes. E.T. liked them. Oh, they're so good. And I had not had them until I had small children. But Easter season is coming up, and they do like the orange carrot full of Reese's Pieces. Do yourself a favor and buy yourself an extra one. Uh, true story. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. It will be CEO Sho Chu's first appearance before Congress where lawmakers could focus on a number of concerns related to the social media company, including allegations of sharing data with China. Yeah, but there's such good stuff on that TikTok, though, man. <laughs> a lot of state governments have been outlawing TikTok on state-issued phones. Josh Hawley. We did a story just last week, like he wants to ban TikTok completely. And uh, for those that uh, that don't know what TikTok is, uh, how would you bottom line it, Hannah? It's a social media, but it's only videos. It's only vi- it's so you, short videos. Uh, it's short, uh, short videos, but China owns it. And so apparently they take your info and sell it to bad actors or something. Like it's that. like Facebook or Instagram Reels, I guess, is trying to copy it. And that's who I fault is that <laughs> not really. But I, I mean, I, I think I would rather leave it up to the market. And I think in, in all other instances, uh, social media companies have done a really good job of copying their competitors. And it seems like, you know a U.S. based company should have been able to get a hold of and, and overtaken TikTok by now and we're not we're not keeping up. Facebook for some reason Facebook and Instagram Reels just isn't the same as TikTok and I don't know why it's not catching on as quickly. Here's what and I don't blame when people say, Well it's social media. Kids are doing this because of social media. I, I don't I don't fall in line with that. Uh, I don't th- think because again it's somebody blaming uh, something other than the people that are responsible. They're blaming social media for what kids are doing. I get the influence of social media on kids, but a lot of that, to me, it goes back to how I handle my business as a parent. So we heard the same argument with MySpace back in the day. <laughs> John, how old were you when you first got onto social media? <laughs> well, it was just the other day, Brandon. Uh, I was like a 35-year-old dude bragging about MySpace page. I know exactly. I was a senior in college when Facebook started, and we had to, like, hack our way into the system because it wasn't available for our university initially. So I know exactly when I got on social media. College. All right. Was it a thing prior to you? I was never really into MySpace, but there was some MySpace before that. I got a killer MySpace account. You should check it out. We all had AOL Instant Messenger (laughs) or whatever. Uh, Hannah, how old were you uh, whenever you got onto the social media? So I went all the way back in my Instagram archives, and it looks like I was 12. Wow. You should have, like, said trigger warning, like, this is going to make you feel old. Yeah, 2012, July 30th. How old were you? 12. 12? So I remember my first Instagram post was of my son. So at the time you were posting on Instagram, I already had a kid and was posting him. He was my first post. (laughs) Would you like to see my first Instagram post? Oh, my dear sweet Hannah. How cute. It was uh, a little cringy. So my son is now 11, and I am not prepared for him to go on the interwebs on the Instagram when he turns 12. And actually now, Instagram's rules are you have to be 13, technically. 
Whoops. And you can't get around that because first thing they do is they say, are you 13? And if you're and if answering. You don't say yes. Yeah, that's right. There's, there's no way around that, that firewall, man. Uh, well, now the government is telling you because they've done, they've been such a, uh, when it comes to accurate health information, you know, the federal government has just been this. This light on the hill of factual information. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy says he believes 13 is too young for kids to be on social media platforms. Because although sites allow children of that age to join, kids are still developing their identity. Host of uh, some other uh, social media giants, they do allow 13-year-olds to join the platforms. He says, personally, based on the data I've seen, I believe that 13 is too early. Do you have kids? Uh, that are on social media, that are under 13. How do you handle that with your kids? You text 874-9390. How do you handle it with your kids? My kids are not on social media. They don't have phones yet either, but my son's 11, and we were just having that conversation yesterday, and he said, Mom, everyone else has a phone. You know, if I get a summer job and save my money, you know, can I get a phone? And I looked at him, and I'm like, it's not about money. Uh, but, I mean, we're going to have to get there eventually, but I, it's just one more thing for me to have to babysit right now and i don't want to do <laughs> do you hold with people that blame social media well they're doing this they doing this latest challenge because they saw it on social media i don't know kids are going to be kids yeah because we did stupid stuff as kids too but we just saw other friends doing it we didn't have the venue of a social uh social media but when watch you- this yeah and they have access i mean and i didn't grow up with like youtube so i didn't watch a lot of it but that's like like what my kids do they have ipads right and they watch youtube so if they didn't see it on facebook they've probably seen it on youtube if that makes sense um because youtube also has what youtube shorts which is kind of like short social media videos so yeah i mean i think you know if you ban tiktok they're gonna find i mean china aside they're gonna find they'll go on to the next thing oh for sure and the next thing i feel like most schools are teaching internet safety to pretty young kids, Stephanie, would you agree with that? I would, uh, no. No? No, I would not. And uh, we've learned a little bit because, well, I'm going to like out it, some things, but okay. Go ahead, so. your foot's in it now, Steph. Yeah, <laughs> I would say it, it frustrates me that, um, so the kids have Chromebooks that were issued by the school and they don't do anything on paper. Everything is on that computer. And I'm like, you don't like write on, you don't write, you don't type, you don't whatever and everything is cloud-based everything's online i i was asking drew to help me with something i'm like well just put it in a word document and he goes mom you mean a google doc and i was like whatever same thing i I, it's like talking about word perfect at this point he looked at me like i had two heads um but i do think we're teaching kids to be on a screen all day long and and i think that's what they're doing which you know in middle school i didn't even i didn't have a computer i don't think and i certainly didn't do every single like math on a computer did it on like a worksheet or something on, on a piece of pa- actual paper with a pencil. Um, so I, I think the schools are training the kids, you know, if we talk about digital detox, don't be in front of a screen, don't be on your phone all the time. That addiction that you get from social media and being on screens, I think the schools are perpetuating it. And apparently while some things are blocked on the school internet, if you bring your, you know, if you bring your computer home, like most of it, I think, still blocked, but not everything is blocked. So there's been some things where I'm like, well, we'll try to search that, and it does come up, and it's nothing bad. It's like a business website. I said, hey, search, search Lakeside Ashland, and it and it came up fine, you know. But I was surprised that like anything other than educational content was available on the interweb 
through the school computer. I wonder how it's going with schools that are uh, the, the cell phones. We've had some school districts in mid-Missouri there that they've gone to no cell phone policies, mostly in classrooms. I called one of them the other day, uh, Moberly School District, because I know they were, or maybe it was Mexico. I think it was Moberly. Anyhow, I uh, called. Uh, first thing I did, I said, hey, I'm checking out. There's some th- I have some questions for administration. They said, okay, can we get your name and number? And I said, I'm Brandon Rather from Wake Up Mid-Missouri. And the person answering the phone there at the Click. school was like, uh-oh. <laughs> 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 why, why is Wake Up Mid-Missouri calling this school district? should have told her you were Brian. <laughs> He's Brian Halsworth. Um, but I asked them how their policy's been going with no phones. They said it's been going pretty well. Sure, there was some uncomfort at first, but everybody's uh, pretty much um, gotten over it. 874-9390. Off the text, we have a daughter who's 14. I am friends with her on social media accounts, and I do random checking of her phone. We also talk a lot about Internet safety. Brian says, I've got five kids. Dude, you're a hero. Hmm? Uh, rule in our house is there has to be a need for both a cell phone and or social media, but no one younger than 16 for social media. Has, even as an adult, has anybody done this? You've posted something on Facebook, and then you, you're going back to check to see how many likes or how many comments you got on your thing? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, and kids are doing that, and apparently the, the argument is from a lot of doctors, kids, because they are so impressionable... They are, they're tying that into their self-worth based on how many comments, how many likes, how many whatever did I get. Instagram at one point was beta testing a version of the app where you would not be able to see how many likes a post had. I think maybe the number was hidden to everyone except the original poster. Um, but I haven't heard anything on that in quite some time. I don't know what came of that. But is that's not really the social media platform's fault. It's like consumers, because what we know are these folks who are getting all the likes and the folks that are doing it. You've got young women and young men out there. You know, what they say, the latest Alex Earl video, if she does one endorsement, she can do like a 30-second video on TikTok and get paid 40 grand for one video. These people are making millions of dollars and are turning it into a business. Um, and her, what they say, her degree is in like marketing and they're like do you just show your marketing professor your you know your instagram and they're like i'm 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 good Can here's you? my resume i got it it's at um, www.youtube.com check my videos out yeah and so as much as we're faulting the kids like well they're looking for the likes or whatever maybe they're just young entrepreneurs and they know in this new economy you know the creator economy is a huge deal and if i'm putting out good content and i'm educating people or informing people or maybe i'm just showing them my fashion choices or whatever it could be a future for me and so i don't know that i i mean I don't care for all the hate about social media. People well, can make their own choices. And I, I don't, I, I think it's odd when you have people like, who is it, with Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff for Brains the other day. He's one of the old TikTok in China, but he puts out a video announcement announcing he's running for Senate on, on the TikTok. And I've always been people, when they say, when they blame kids for whether they're eating Tide Pods or dumping chests full of ice cold water on their head well social media no that's just where they discovered it they're not doing it because of social media they're doing it because they're oh yeah kids we talk about what about somebody's motive why do they go and kill all these people because they're just crazy well why did this kid go and eat time pots well because they're kids kids 
our kids. Well, and as much as like you can, you know, do eat Tide Pods or whatever, I do think, especially like look at folks here in Missouri, you're a rural kid in Missouri and you feel lonely, like no one's into the stuff that you like. And so there are so many different niches on the internet of like weird YouTube videos, you know, about people who just are obsessed with Legos or obsessed with this book or obsessed with, you know, whatever. I think a lot of people can find, and you know, you can talk about whether that's bad or good, but a lot of people can find, you know, a niche and that feels relatable on the internet that maybe they don't they don't get in real life and you know it, I, I think in that way it could be helpful to well, some folks on the topic of <laughs> tide pods because you know i got to stick up for my generation here right because unfortunately gen z was the tide pod generation which is embarrassing You're, you guys are are embarrassing not only for <laughs> the tide pods but for a lot of other stuff well so too. the tide pod thing <laughs> and like more recently it was like nyquil chicken Mm. Like something about <laughs> marinating chicken breast and NyQuil. No. Nope. What stinks about social media is one or two people will do that. Yeah. And then, you know, news outlets pick it up and they're like, oh, the latest trend. Not really. It was just like one or two idiots. See, my people lately are obsessed with, I guess Tom Hanks was on, uh, what was, he was on one of the late night shows and apparently it was talking about having a glass of champagne and it was like not fully drunk and somebody put Diet Coke and he's like, yeah, Diet Coke and champagne. Everybody's been trying it. And I'm like, no. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Philadelphia won Super Bowl 52 and the Chiefs are headed to their third big game in four years, winning Super Bowl 54. The game will feature two of the most exciting quarterbacks in the NFL in Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. So it's all set. How about that game last night? Incredible. Eight seconds left on the clock. So what are the odds right now? Who? What's the odds on favorite? Who would be picked to win the Super Bowl? We'll do that coming up. Uh, 810 here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, joined by Stephanie Bell, John Marsh, Brian Houseworth, and producer Hannah. If there's something that we can do for you, 874-9390, The timeline of events as it relates to the trolling. I don't know if you heard about the, uh, the mayor of Cincinnati and how he trolled not only our chiefs but our city of Kansas City here in Missouri. Uh, and then Travis Kelsey got him back. I thought that was kind of fun after the game last night. You can hear the audio in case uh, you missed some of that. Like, this guy did not see the end of the game last night. Uh, I made it as far as the start of the third quarter and then was out. Which is impressive for you. That's longer than normal. <laughs> you have to plan better. You should have taken a nap in the afternoon. I tried. I thought I could stick it out. I started doing the... The doze in, and next thing I know, I wake up and they're interviewing Patrick. I'm like, well, I guess it, uh, I guess it went well. Uh, so that's uh, some of the things coming up here on the show on Wake Up Mid Missouri on 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio 950 KWOS. Mike Pence over the weekend. So I thought this was kind of refreshing. Uh, I get what he's doing, but he he comes out. He's doing an event. Florida International University's Adam Smith Center, and he's talking about the whole thing with classified documents. By the way, the National Archives have gone to those 10x uh, presidents slash vice presidents and said, hey, y'all good? Have you been through your stuff? You checked everything? Uh, If not, we would like to know what's up. Uh, Mike Pence talking about his documents. Now, while I was not aware that those classified documents were in our personal residence, let me be clear. Those classified documents should not have been in my personal residence. Mistakes were made. And I take full responsibility. And I've directed my counsel to work with the National Archives, with the Department of Justice, and with the Congress 
to fully cooperate in any investigation. Uh, uh, mistakes were made. He didn't say I made mistakes. Didn't Alec Baldwin say something close to that? Like, somebody's in trouble. But not me. I'm not it. I think that is kind of a, a little uh, Alec Baldwin-ish. Alec Baldwin had said uh, following the shooting incident on the movie set of Rust, he said, somebody's responsible, but it's not me. Mike Pence saying uh, there were mistakes made. He didn't say I made mistakes, but he did say I take full responsibility. And how cool would that be for anybody who makes big mistakes, whether it's former vice presidents, current presidents that have documents, if they just come out and said, yep, my bad. Uh, there's a lot to be said for ownership of your mistakes. Before we move forward, I do want to highlight this. I don't I don't follow tennis a whole lot, but Novak Djokovic, he won the Australian Open. Remember, this was a year after he was deported. And I appreciate this guy because he stood on principle. Remember, he was the guy that very likely would have won the Australian Open last year, but he did not have his uh, vaccination. And instead of going and uh, and getting paid and winning perhaps another big event, he said, I'm not going. I am not going to get the vaccination and I'm not going. He said yesterday, probably one of the biggest victories he has ever had in his career. I have appreciation for people like that as somebody who had to pay 